0: You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. Uh, we're here the day after the midterms. Dan's uh, very upset. Uh, our guest, uh, Chemda, Chemda Khalili. Is Has that always been your last name? Yeah. You, remember, you never went by it before?
1: Yeah, I, I usually leave it out because um, more more people can't pronounce my first name, so um, we'll get through that first.
0: And Echmde was a, a, a singer in my band years ago. She's a singer and podcaster. She is the co-host of the long-running podcast Keith and the Girl, which is one of the one of the first podcasts to really uh, exist. No, well, to, to make a like a make an impact, a national impact. I mean, yes. you guys had a, one of the first uh, people to have like a big viral following. Um, and Sally, how do I pronounce it, Sattel? Sattel. Sally Sattel is an American psychiatrist, lecturer at Yale School of Medicine, and resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. She's the author of several books, including PCMD How Political Correctness is Corrupting Medicine, and Brainwashed The Seductive Appeal of Mindless Neuroscience. Her writing often appears in such outlets as The Atlantic and The Wall Street Journal, where she penned the article Does It Take a Shrimp? Does it take a shrink <laughs> Does it take a shrink to evaluate Trump? Uh, by the way, just before we, we get into that Nome, I would like to issue a
2: warning to you yes, yes that she I'm sure she's a very bright woman and probably has a lot of good things to say. but what a preface. <laughs> don't be afraid to challenge her if you feel that something that she says is incorrect. <laughs>
1: Wait, wait. (laughs) You're getting permission. Because sometimes
2: we have an expert, somebody that wrote a book, and you just assume (laughs) that since they wrote a book, everything must be... Must be true, <laughs> and I don't. I want you to go with your instincts because
0: right. you have good instincts. All right. So I don't know that that's the case or not. I haven't read the book. But- so now, I read this column a, a long time ago, but I would say so. Okay. Well, there's so many things to talk about with, with a with a real doc- first all, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. It's not like a psychologist, right? Mm-hmm. So so because I don't really believe in psychology at all.
3: I can write the scripts.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah she, but yeah, but she <clears throat> ps- psychiatrists, in my understanding of it, they actually view the brain as another or uh, as another physical part of the body. It's not like this mystical thing where you just talk mm. to somebody and it, and it just straightens everything out up there.
3: In the spirit of Descartes, yes, you yeah,
0: do. Right. Wait, t- talk in the microphone so I can... Uh, I
3: am, this uh, is it. There are
2: psychiatrists that practice Freudian therapy as well that mm. do believe in the talking uh, mm. cure, if you will.
3: Sure, but Freud was a neurologist and actually he moved into psychoanalysis afterwards because he felt we'll never really capture the neuroscience of of the mind. Yeah. And we're certainly learning things, but some people are very skeptical. And so, that's the well, ultimate that's question.
0: But I, I want to get to Trump right away. But mm-hmm. just, did you see this movie, uh, Three Identical Strangers? Yes. So I want to ask you about that yeah. later. Okay, so tell us about Trump. Is Trump a narcissist? <laughs> Can, for, well, First of all, is it okay to, for you to, to diagnose him without ever yeah. meeting him?
3: It, frankly, not according to the American Psychiatric Association. But it, that, that's the whole point of what I wrote, is you don't have to be a psychiatrist. When, when you're talking about... Character pathology, personality disorders, which almost every one of my colleagues will s- endorse, say that he that he has as such, and a certainly number of too. books have been written about it. Um, you look at the behavior, and when you have months and now years of behavior and and uh, you know transcripts and TV doc. It, It's so well-documented, his patterns of behavior and speech and attitudes and dispositions, that you have, all the evidence is there for everyone to see.
0: That he's a narcissist.
3: Well, to be honest, the diagnosis almost doesn't matter. If you're talking about fitness for office, then you can observe the kinds of attitudes that he has. Um, and 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 it's no secret. It's not something that, that is privileged information. I mean, you can see the lack of curiosity. You can see the the tendency towards the revenge and vendettas. And in in his lack of knowledge about so much about the but world is it psych- and the
1: political process. But is it psychosis or carelessness?
3: Oh, he's certainly not. I don't, I, I don't believe he's lost touch with reality. <laughs> Some might disagree. But um, I don't think we're talking... About psychosis at all. It's a long-standing series of, of behavioral traits that served him, apparently served him quite well in, in one domain. Don't translate very well, uh, arguably, so into the did, political realm. Did you ever of see that mov- Did
0: you ever see that Albert Brooks movie? Was called "Defending Your Life."
3: Yeah, that was great. And
0: and they you know and you get up there and they and they show like clips from their childhood mm-hmm. that explains why. If you if you could see like clips from Trump's childhood, that in your mind would explain what we're seeing now as the adult, what kind of things do you think we see? Like that, that's oh my God, what... I
1: so picture him being diaper changed at five, but, you know, I'm not I'm not a psychiatrist. Wow. <laughs> All right, you would... If, if, if a,
3: if, it's a good question, if if right? Yes. <laughs> if you were dealing with uh, a male narcissist, you'd probably hone in on, you know, wait for it, father-son, you know, dynamics. And, and what, what, I understand they... they're quite complex. Well, they've really been... A lot of them have been exposed already in the press. Um, but you would, uh, I think, we, you'd look for patterns of whether the father, the kinds of expectations, whether the father showed much love, whether he... Um, you would think the father sh- didn't sh- show a lot of uh, love? I'm or- just throwing out the kinds of things you'd, you'd be interested in. Whether uh, the, there was a sense that of unconditional love that no matter what I did, is, is I, I was loved and accepted. And you'd wonder if those kinds of no, but those just, kinds of You're saying we don't
1: need to wonder, and he's trying to ask no, you. I'm no, saying I'm like, saying that's what you look for. Right, but I'm saying, yeah. would,
0: if you did get unconditional love as a child, that would make you less likely to be a narcissist?
3: Well, you know, the... These kinds of situations oh, are there's so many variables involved, but but you know formative years and relationships with with parental figures usually figure pretty prominently in how your personality develops. There is a genetic dimension. I was going to say you know, if you take identical
0: twins separated at birth, yeah. I bet you they're both narcissists. That's my <laughs> that's my theory.
3: Well, temperament is does have a significant heritable component. You know whether you're a conscientious person, whether you can tolerate stress. Uh, whether you're um, open-minded, I mean, these things do have actually genetic components, and one might would inherit that, you know, from a from a father and mother as well. Uh, so exactly as you mentioned, these sort of adopted-away twin studies—that's why they're so prized in personality um, science and psychology, because at least you have one variable that's sti- that's controlled for, which is right. a genetic composition.
1: Can I ask a question? If I had a kid, what? Um what behaviors would I be looking for uh, knowing that I'm creating a Trump? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it, it would, wouldn't it be based more on her behavior? If you had a kid, how you but, but treat his, your what kid. Would,
1: what would that kid's response to my behavior or his atmosphere or whatever it is? She wants
4: to make sure she doesn't create a Trump. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what are we looking for in our kid? We go, oh, we need to step back and and... Oh, and talk about what
0: are the danger signs of budding narcissism in our children yeah well yeah.
3: okay one thing would be how he relates or she relates to other you know his peers and how would they relate and, to others
1: if well, they are with, a narcissist
3: with, uh, there's usually a deficit of empathy okay mm. so that's very and important. how can
1: you how do kids display that
3: well they feel I mean even you know Paul Bloom was a psychologist at Yale because kids done. hit
1: each other I remember loving my brothers and I broke their faces
3: well that's different you were like I, there is a difference in siblings the way siblings interact But actually, uh, babies, uh, you know, humans within the first year of life uh, actually show a degree of empathy. And when they see another child being treated uh, unfairly, in other words, every other child is given a piece of candy but that one, they might either give him that candy or somehow try to comfort them. I mean, this is, if something is expressed so early in life, it's clearly an inborn trait.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, of all the things you don't want your kid to be... Narcissism is certainly not on the top of the list. You know, you've got uh, um, borderline personality disorder, uh, depressed, psychopathology, bipolar affective disorder, Pedophilia. schizophrenia. <laughs> you know, all those things. So, how, how
0: many have you been diagnosed I, of? In that list? Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what I said.
4: I, I think like either dementia. The question was with you, would you if you're a parent? Like, no, you have kids. Yeah. So. If you treated one of your kids better than the other one throughout, the nicest one usually get, yeah, go ahead. and always did that, I think he has a better shot at being narcissistic. It, Am I right?:
3: Well, when it comes to how you form a personality, I, I think the important point is there are just so many variables, and you can see that with two kids raised in the same family with the same parents, not separated by so many years that they've effectively grown up with other parents, which is the case if you're 10 when your sibling is born, let's say, and your father's already more wealthy or has lost a job or the dynamics in the family have changed. But even when kids are born closely together, raised together, gone to the same school together, largely share the same peer group, they can still be
2: differences. Now, now in terms of we look at mental illness, uh, uh, one defines mental illness, or at least uh, one definition, is that which... It impacts your life and makes it worse seems like trump's having a great old time
1: <laughs> now so to what extent <laughs> question, yeah. you know is it really <laughs>
2: at least for him Maybe other people are being adversely affected. But, but don't
1: narcissists hate that, themselves regardless of how we see well, it? Well, that's why it's so hard, frankly, to get them into therapy because they
3: don't think that anything is wrong. And, and the typical scenario is the wife drag them in saying, I'm going to leave you unless you get help. And he's sitting there with his arms folded. There's nothing wrong, honey. It's you or it's, you know, blaming, displacing responsibility well, well, on everyone
0: I have, else. I have two questions about that. The first question, I don't know. Okay, the first question is I was reading about narcissism And one of the classic traits of narcissism is a bad relationship with your children. And I just noticed that actually Trump doesn't seem to have that symptom. He seems to have a real bond with his kids, except for maybe Tiffany.
4: Didn't didn't, uh, the wife, most of the time the women raised most of the kids. He wasn't that involved.
0: No, but I don't know. I I mean, it could be all an act, but it seems to me like Reagan, for instance, Lee Famous had a bad relationship with his kids and it was well known. I mean, it was just not. a Yeah, but
1: he wasn't as sexually attracted to his kids as Trump is. Uh,
0: But the the other question, maybe the more important question is if he has a personality disorder, does he warrant our hatred or our sympathy? Because because I'm always confused. Sometimes people say he's crazy. He's he's got he's got cognitive decline. Whatever. So I like, can well, answer that. Then, question. then why do they ha- let, let the doctor say why Why do they hate him so much? That's you would, such a good you, question. You wouldn't hate your grandmother if all of a sudden they started acting crazy, right?
1: But what I read about narcissism is that empathy feeds the narcissist, and so it scares me. So I love that you asked that. Oh, well, Doctor Graham. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, well, to tell you the truth,
3: it depends on how close you are with them. I mean, if, if it is a relative, you, you can have both those sentiments, just like people have when they're, frankly, some family members have drug problems. Of course, they want the best for them. They, they wish they'd get help, but they also, you can't help but resent people who've made such a hash of the family sometimes. But um, Can but, they get I, better? Um, it's hard. Personality disorders are hard to change. But one of the things you don't want to do is, is frankly, enable it. And unfortunately, when people are in position, no. I mean, once. <laughs> sorry. But once you're in that position, and this is true of people in Hollywood too. It's very hard to say no to powerful and wealthy people.
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. sorry, sorry I and mean, we know this. We we know, we know a lot of famous people, and. I haven't figured out the chicken and egg question yet, but there is an aspect to them that does seem to be different than you and me. The way they just basically dominate the conversation, will just change the subject as if no one else is talking, interrupt or whatever. I mean, Keith, you, you know you know what I'm re- referring to? like Yeah.
4: and Well, because they, when you, I think that the fact that when if someone's made it, made it, so-called yeah. made it yeah. or whatever, they feel like they have the answer to everything. When they get on top of the game, they're like the first one to talk. They know for sure what's going on. And, most and sometimes of the time. You just feel they're like, sure of themselves,
1: uh, right? Even though it's just a, it, it just landed on you this time. Well, right. you know? I, I just wonder yeah.
0: sometimes, just after a certain amount of time of everybody just catering to you, and uh, of course,
3: uh, you're rewarded for it. I mean, it's simple. You, you lose your behavior- way. Well, I, I, it's also a yeah. lot of behaviorism. I mean. You do something and there's no consequences and there may even be a reward. So why not keep repeating I, it?
2: I, well, I'd like to address briefly with Noam's question about whether we blame w- them or feel sorry for them. Because yep. I think that question is, has less to do with psychiatry and more to do with philosophy. Okay. And the answer is... Oh. You, 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 you I know. told you you'd to get answers. <laughs> Go ahead. The answer <laughs> to the question is, is <laughs> no one is to blame, to quote the great Howard Jones. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because free will does not exist, oh. as, 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 as the doctor might may or may not agree. I but, knew you were going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> well, you know, because I've made this point in the past, uh, <laughs> no, kind of we, of we can resent people because that's the natural human inclination. Mm-hmm. But to be perfectly rational, you wouldn't resent anybody. When I pass by a prison, I feel the same sadness as I do when I pass by a hospital. Uh, people that through no fault of their own wound up in prison or a hospital, to me, I see fundamentally no real difference.
3: Well, even if you are a hard determinist... And that's, sounds, that's right. Hard, sounds I am like a hard, like hard you are. De-
2: and a hard determinist is good to find.
3: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even then... <laughs> that's officially
1: your meme. <laughs> that's, that's a good <laughs> one, actually. Um,
3: but even then, which, which is to say, basically, you know, everything's caused, So, you, and you can't interrupt that causal chain, so essentially everything was, that happens... Uh, uh, sort of destined to happen, oh. not fatalism so much, but everything that came before leads up to what is is present oh, wow. now, even if you believe that, which I don't, I'm more of a compatibilist, you have to recognize that people respond to contingencies. They respond to carrots and sticks, incentives and Absolutely. sanctions. Absolutely.
4: Hence the prison, Absol- which is very we, we agree Oh, I agree that we that, need to be prison. There is but, a but difference between hospitals and prison. For, for
3: deterrence <laughs> as well. Can
4: we just get that out there? There's a, a definite difference between hospitals and prisons. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No, but, no, no, because but, he said only, he no, has da, the same... Da, point is... I'm, I'm but sorry, it really comes down to yeah. is
3: whether a person has any control. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, people who are schizophrenic, who are hallucinating, or psychotic, their control is significantly But if diminished. we're going to let them that's slide... if we're, we're going right. to let
2: the schizophrenic slide because he's ill, then we well, got to let, let the right, asshole so, slide. So, no, so, that's what not but, guilty for reasons so, so of let insanity me just, is. Just, but
3: I'm saying... People like who have personality disorders still can control it. You've seen him in various situations; that, that capacity still exists. Right, but he
0: thinks even the controlling it. So, so let me just to, to to make clear what I think Dan is saying that it, you know everything is 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 uh, atoms, electrons, neutrons, all that. Uh, and and if you knew every possible law of nature and how, of physics and how every atom will respond, you could from the beginning of time predict. To the end of time, because everything happens as a response, uh, as a predictable response of something else. And so, what Dan is saying is that it's all—it's already all in the cards, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, roughly. Although, and, th- and even in the hospital, even the medicine, even the doctor giving you the medicine—that's all. It's all one grand uh, uh, pre thing. Well, it may thing. not
2: be predictable, but it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's also not. Well, Change? You believe in randomness? <coughs> well, the, I don't that, know. That that's doesn't get quantum, you any further. That's scarier, physics, right? <laughs> but um, no if, it's, if, it, if there is I'm real just, randomness, then I'm just then, saying then it's this. If you were born in 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 Brno, um, in in 1886 uh, to to the Hitler family with Hitler's exact brain, you would be Hitler. <laughs> All right. So
0: <laughs> and that's it. <laughs>
2: All right. Let's so, get in. Uh,
1: does that mean we can't disrupt our own timeline? <laughs>
0: That's what it means. You no, know.
1: you can It's not fatalism, it's different. Okay. You can. You can you right. can
3: Sorry, no. <laughs> you can deliberate, you can think about things, you can you can make different choices.
1: Well, but you But there con- is
3: a No, but there is, but you are you are certainly biased towards making cer- certain decisions based on your background. Yes, but There's once no I'm aware of, of my
1: bias, doesn't that change helps. my time? It
3: It can. Yes. That's the whole point of therapy.
2: Yeah, but you're a compatibilist, and I'm a hard,
1: hard, emphasis hard. On the hard.
2: Uh, uh, what's the word again? <laughs> <A> determinist. determinist. <laughs> and, and you're, what say, happens you to you when you
1: change your mind? Does it blow your mind?
2: When I change my mind, it's because yeah. it was preordained that I would change
1: my mind. I see. So you, you would have come to that information that would have you change your mind. That's already predetermined?
2: Well, uh, what I'm saying is, is that you are who you are. Uh, without putting too fine a point on it. As I said, if you were born in Hitler's exact situation with Hitler's exact brain, you'd have been Hitler. That's, right. that's my point. Well, I just want to say. Now, uh, but the doctor disagrees, getting, getting But he's a
0: compartmentalist. To, getting <laughs> c- compatibil- <laughs> compatibilist. Uh, getting back to just the initial point is that it is, it is not very evolved to think that somebody is suffering from a, a neurological decline and use as as a reason to hate them. Or to to you know to, to feel resentment towards him, they're sick wow well, and they people can't seem to decide with Trump whether he's a healthy guy who is detestable or a sick person who obviously you're not supposed to detest a sick person. you can you can feel we need to protect ourselves from him, get yeah, him out of office, thing. get him in a hospital, but you don't hate somebody for the manifestation of their sickness. That's why we don't put crazy people in jail when they commit
3: crimes. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's, that's, well, we also
2: and, don't put crazy people in jail because we feel that dis- deterrence doesn't work with the crazy. No, I mean, but we, also, we do put crazy well, we, people in jail. But well, we
3: contain we contain them for our yeah. safety, though, yeah. um, not but, because. But we don't punish but we're them. are not. That's right. We don't take a punitive. That's right. Approach.
0: Okay. So you also wrote. PCMD, How Political Correctness is Corrupting Medicine. I'm dying to hear about this because I believe it's true and I don't know anything about it. That's how much I hate political correctness. Go ahead. Tell us us how it's correct. You're so delighted.
1: (laughs) Because it has to be. One of my favorites. Because it has to be. (laughs) I don't know anything
3: about it, but it has to be. Well, I wrote that 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm so advanced. Rewrite it again do an update, but, but in that book, one chapter is on something called, I think I called it Therapy for Victims, but it's, uh, it's about a kind of therapy called multicultural therapy, which actually still exists and is taught, and um, in fact, it, at the University of San Francisco in their psychiatric unit, it was divided up, and I, I've understood from friends that it's, this structure still exists, they actually have a ward for patients who are African American, Award for Asians. I don't think there's one for Caucasians. There's I mean, one for Hispanics, and everything else words, is for Caucasians. Even... <laughs> oh, that's how it is. But um, and the, the the basic philosophy behind this is that the reason that you are having psychiatric problems, probably not outright psychosis, but depression, anxiety, difficulty coping, is because of the because of the environment, because it is biased against you. It's, it's just victimology on steroids. And it's such a dangerous way to do therapy because the whole point of people who have problems in living, uh, they have to know what part they can control, even if it's true that they may have been discriminated against. Even if all that is true, you have to think carefully about, you know, what are the things that can come under your control how you can circumvent it you want a whole kind of you're trying to want to you want to map out the landscape of of factors that are that are in, that are impinging upon you and some you frankly have no control over um and others that you know you do so if you if you don't separate put a lot of thought into trying to separate things out and say well i'm depressed because racism that's not very therapeutic. You're not learning anything about yourself. You're not learning how to navigate the environment any better or your relationships, uh, which is not to say that that racism and you know malign forces in society don't exist. They do, but you can't...
0: And we're against them.
1: Yes. Yeah. Can I, can I can agree yeah. say on to that? your point of I'm, the quote, I'm mad we, we've because... We've been joined
0: by Dave Juskow, by the way. But Hello, don't, everybody. But don't mind I, him. I, Go ahead.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> the quote, I'm mad because racism, I think is just a starting point that I think people who are the victims of racism are saying because we haven't acknowledged that worldwide yet. So we're still yelling about that because we're still trying to acknowledge it, which is the first step. I know I'm not a psychiatrist, but it's the first step is admitting to blah, blah, blah. And I think that's part of the first step. And I think people are angry because everyone's responding from the place of, I don't agree about this first step. I don't agree that you're a victim of this. You could do this. You could do that. This is here for you. Blah, blah, blah is dismissing that first point and trying to rush through it to get to the rest of the therapy.
3: Right, but you don't... I, I, I understand what you're saying, okay. and I think, there's some, I think there's certainly some, some truth to unacknowledged uh, forms of, of oppression. But, um, in a th- again, in a therapeutic setting, the job is to separate out what sort of was pre-existing and may have held you back and 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 really may have been impinged upon you and uh, and how you're reacting to it. There are more or less constructive ways to react to it. But are people not
1: looking for that? They're just... Some people are stuck on that first yes, step that's of what's racism. Ra- They're stuck well, on it because... They
3: might be stuck on it, but the last thing you need is a therapist to come along and say you're right to be stuck on it.
1: Not that's right to not be helpful. stuck on it. You're right to have felt this way. You're right that this did happen to you. You're right that these are the causes outside of your outside mm-hmm. of you but in your perspective right now we're gonna go from there and go okay, here's how you ex- responded ex- to that as a kid exactly it's just it
3: doesn't go for so, so. But, but that's
1: the therapist's problem not the victim's problem but right? exactly okay but, but
0: doctor this is the thing i see people reacting to things with tremendous emotion today that they didn't react to the same things when i was a kid in that way yeah. For instance, hearing a racist speaker, like I, I remember going to see like America speak at Tufts, and and, and, and and you know we, we handled it, you know, and like well, you weren't
2: the object of his
0: ire. Doesn't matter, and to, and were people, people who were there were there were Arabs there too, and and now people would be going into safe rooms and and having you know trembling and, and crying, and I said, well, what's going on there? We're almost priming the pump. Let me even we- give you give another example when um, Norm McDonald uh, got in trouble for defending Louis C.K. a little bit. And Jimmy Fallon had to disinvite him from The Tonight Show. And he said to Norm MacDonald, Jimmy said to him, uh, Norm, people are crying. People on my staff are crying. Like, we can't put you on because of these words you said about Louis. And I thought to myself, well, like 15 years ago, when Michael Richards used the N-word over and over and over again, like two days later, he went on The Letterman Show, and nobody told him how to go, and the staff didn't cry. Yeah. I'm like, why, why? Why didn't they? Were but they There were no it?
5: black people working on that show. But no, no, know, no, so no. I'm, the,
0: I'm being very serious. I go, like, what and I feel point. like we're creating sensitivity here, and then humans. I mean, yeah. you could see, we see in different different cultures, you can create a tremendous sensitivity to something, and the response is real. But we're we're yeah. feeding into it rather than trying. Like I said, a sensitivity training. We should be giving desensitivity training.
1: training. Well. Can I speak from...
3: No, let's it Two things. The first is, and I know you've had him as a guest before, Jonathan Haidt's book, Coddling of the American Mind. That that tells you a lot of how uh, it goes into the elements of child rearing that may have contributed to this sensitivity. But I'll tell you, I think, I think that uh, my profession actually contributed to it in a way. And one of the things that uh, captured me back after 9-11 was the obsession that psychiatry and psychology and the well-meaning helping professionals had about how traumatized the normal person would be after 9-11. Now we're all traumatized with a, a sort of a small T, if you know what I mean, because it was traumatic. It was horrific. Yeah. I mean it was beyond imagining. But whether we needed professional help, if you didn't have that kind of outraged, horrified, I can't sleep, I'm numb, I can't even think, I can't concentrate. If you didn't have that kind of reaction, it would have been pathological. But the Fed spent over a billion dollars and they just, I think, made one of their last installments last year for therapy. There was an for, for New Yorkers. Now, clearly, if you were in the vicinity of the towers, had some a relative who died, were involved, you know, yourself, um, and had a history of psychiatric difficulty, which can be exacerbated in the midst of a, you know, a subsequent uh, horrific event, then you probably are, you know, were at greater risk for a significant mm-hmm. depression or a significant or post-traumatic stress disorder. But the Would you say it would person, trigger you? Yeah. Yes. But the uh, you know the average person is quite resilient. People didn't need professional help. They needed each other. They needed information, which is what most people need in a disaster. They needed a community which they had. And yet, the, the expectation of fragility was so strong that people were basically urged, come into therapy, we can help you, you, you can't handle this yourself, which is an absolutely pernicious message to get out there.
0: Okay, you, you, I, I agree with you. I, I, I know you wanted to say something. So
1: I'm wondering if, you know, from, from like a general perspective of just growing up, right? So, um, there was a time where I was more emotional about, um, just generally what happened to me because all of a sudden I woke up from it because I, I did get, you know, sexually harassed and you know, all the stuff that comes from you grow up where we grow up and, and people are just empowered to kind of yell things at you and touch you inappropriately and whatever. And for a long time I dismissed it and I wouldn't have called it any of these words that now we're, we're putting on it because it's just, That's how boys behaved. I expected it. I expected it. And when it happened, I understood that this is how sex was going to happen. They were going to try to convince me constantly until I gave in. When I woke up from that, like, oh, wait, I was taught wrong. They were taught wrong. They are actually continuing to do this. And all of a sudden I'm upset. It seems a little out of nowhere, but I feel like in this waking up, when we wake up, even physically... We're groggy and we're a little emotional if somebody starts talking to us. I think that's what's happening as a society. And instead of yelling at each other awake, we might take into account that we're waking up at different times and that this is affecting us all of a sudden, quote-unquote. And also, on the second point is, I don't think that we're saying this all of a sudden. I think that a lot of people have been saying this for a very long time. And for the first time, it's coming into our Twitter feed or our personal lives. And we're, we're finally admitting things to each other because we were empowered maybe by anonymous, being anonymous on the internet or writing it down and sending it out instead of face-to-face because we don't know how to deal with our emotions. And I think that's why maybe everybody went to therapy because no matter what, you need therapy. No matter what, yes, you need the community, but we don't even know how to begin to talk to each other to create a community for ourselves. We've been shut down so much our generation, the next generation, then all of a sudden we're seeing these kids going, I know how I feel, and I'm upset about it. That's only step one. I do think we need to, to take them to step two. Now we take accountability for everything that we can, and that's it.
2: Does that make sense? Well, well, but you're talking about... She's not denying the doctor, uh, Dr. cell cell Is not denying what you're saying. She's saying in certain instances, the psychiatric profession is... Is encouraging therapy where perhaps none is needed, in the situation of sexual harassment, and that the things that you were talking about, uh, I don't know. I don't know that you would have the same
0: opinion.
1: I guess I'm talking about general trauma. So you know, that's.
0: I, I just know that my father, growing up, would tell me stories like that. Basically, like really rank, overt anti-Semitism was an everyday part of his life, and he was like, eh you know you know like he, he didn't look it back at it it wasn't for you no but it was not well, no no look, for real like it wasn't it was for no, me no not for me no no i no. went
5: to a very anti-semitic junior high
0: oh. okay so so all right, hold up hold up so, which yeah, so, is
2: more than i can say for the liver.
0: so my, my point <laughs> being is that he didn't he didn't he just regarded it like that's the way it was and he, he didn't feel particularly traumatized by it and then but this and then today some kid would be in college and they see one like somebody draws a swastika in a, in a bathroom somewhere and they have a a, a legitimate meltdown And at some point, I think that there's something wrong going on and they shouldn't be having
2: that meltdown. Well, part of it is because maybe in your father's generation, this was expected. And and when it's not expected, it's all that more dramatic. I don't know. Maybe it's also squished
1: down. Like, our father... I don't know how your father is, but my father is not exactly... Do you know...
3: Oh, your father felt less threatened. I mean, when people feel threatened at baseline is when these kinds of insults less mean threatened. so much. He, but he, he,
0: was, he was alive during the Holocaust. He,
3: he, he understands what I'm saying. But he was now in America. Okay, them. so
0: this was relatively
2: benign. But no,
3: uh, <laughs> actually, the, though, um, the reason I uh, became familiar with uh, traumatology is actually the field... Was because I worked at a, I worked at a VA, um, and it was after the Vietnam War, but we still treated Vietnam uh, era vets. You look
2: too young to have been. Uh, I love you. In the profession at that time.
3: I was going to say oh the same thing. my favorite oh my hard God. determinist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, and 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 again, in the name, I guess I should have should emphasize this more that everyone's well meaning. I don't I don't doubt that for a moment. But in the name of trying to help these poor guys. Some of whom were in combat, most of whom actually weren't. You know, only 15% of uh, soldiers in the Vietnam War were actually exposed to combat. And then there was a penumbra of, uh, there were others who were exposed to life-threatening situations, like truck drivers, this kind of thing. But most people did not have legitimate reason to fear for their life. They had other kinds of reasons to, to uh, think about whether their sacrifice, no matter what form it was, was you know, was something warranted. I mean, these are the kind of thoughts that soldiers have all the time and they've witnessed horrible losses of their friends. But the point is, when they came into the VA, there was a rush to put them on, and I fear there still may be, a rush to put them on what's called service-connected disability. And these were people with rehabilitative potential. And unfortunately, they were in a fragile position. It was suggested to them, look, you've been traumatized by war. Effectively, you're not going to be a functional person. You get on that disability, and it becomes a cycle downward into invalidism because then you don't work, and the less you work, the less you work. You know, your skills atrophy. Any kind of confidence you have to return to the workforce erodes. And it's a very malignant cycle. And and there are so many... Um, men mostly, although now there are more women in the you know military, but um, you know who who probably could have had much more productive and um, uh, in the, I'm going to say rewarding lives they to could the have extent back. that reward has to do with how productive one is, yeah. not exclusively, but that's a big part of it. Yeah. And and they were basically talked into the fact that they were trauma victims.
0: So so can it all be true? Isn't it true that a lot of people suffered in silence in very many ways mm-hmm. in our society for hundreds of thousands of years? Basically, since human beings began, and we are now waking up to some of those, lives, particularly like with, with transsexuals and and, and 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 sexual orientation, where people like you know really had to uh, live with this. And but at the same time, it does feel great to be outraged. And when you encourage people to be outraged, they will you know they, they will do it. And also, there is a um, there is a sadistic element in human nature. And when you can twist somebody in the wind by making out that you're, that you're a victim of them.
3: Well, people, it's a kind pe- of power.
0: It's a power and people will do it. We've, we've all seen people do it. I mean, I mean, I don't know if this is quite related, but in this whole Louis C.K. probably know about this Louis C.K. thing we're going through. heard. <laughs> you know, there's so many good arguments about me putting Louis on. But do you know how many people have written to me and referred to my race? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's 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 like a tick now, and in the patriarch, and you're a white male, and you're mm-hmm. putting. I'm like, what does this have to do? Like, I could I could
1: parade. Like, I tell you. The, the, I think they're saying that you can't be a victim of this, so you have a different perspective.
0: I grew up at a time where you weren't supposed to talk about somebody's. Like I can't talk about your sexual preference or your color or or my wife's when I'm making an argument about what she's doing that's right or wrong that's a logical argument I'm making but they but now except if it's was about white males in which case some and I'm like and then if I try to defend myself it's it, it, it becomes further evidence that so it's like it, and I and I can tell that when I get these arguments they love it it's like they got they got me like defending myself like it's like I don't have to defend myself for being born white any more than. A German has to be defend himself of being born German, or somebody. I mean, it's, it's it's madness, and of course the irony is that like you know, so many of the black comedians have no problem. There's nothing white about putting yeah, well, Louis C.K. on or not.
3: To me, that's symptomatic of the erosion of of reason, frankly. And yes. The- um, but, you know, I feel, in some ways, I feel lucky. But she's sympathetic
0: to... to it. I can tell by her answer. Well, no, I'm it's, sorry to interrupt you, but I can see it like, oh, yeah, it's okay to talk about white males. Okay, then let's no, talk about no. everybody's color.
1: No, I'm not saying that it's okay to just throw out because you're a white male. Is it ever okay male. to
0: bring up to somebody their color I
1: think when, when,
0: they're, when they're making a logical argument?
1: I understand what you're saying. It's like, it feels derailing. It feels like, what, what no, conversations are we having? But...
0: I was raised that that was wrong.
1: Oh, we were raised as if we don't see color. But no, we, not
0: don't see color. That if somebody's making an argument about something, they make mm-hmm. a point about principle, whatever it is. I think
1: we're learning about people's perspective based on...
0: I should be able to... Th- if I, if I, if I, if I want to make a point about something, I should be able to write it down on a page. And then I should give it to you to read it. And you shouldn't need to know, wait, what color was the person who wrote this? Then I'll tell you what I think of it. What,
1: what I think people are saying right. is that based on your response, we can see... Your race and gender. Oh, that I, let
0: me, that does, that, could,
1: does that make sense? Well, yeah, that
0: sounded nice. Maybe, maybe you think there's something white about putting... You think of, like a black club owner in my shoes wouldn't put him I, on?
1: If I were to bring up your um, white male cis whatever in the Louis C.K. situation, it is just specifically in that situation yeah. because you're not female. Just so you know, you have a different perspective. You don't have the perspective of ever being threatened by him in that way. Your perspective... Uh, no. you're shaking your head but I'm I I'm shaking my head
0: because yes if, if you wanted to bring up the fact that I were male mm-hmm. I would understand that there is some connection like maybe I can't identify with it because I'm a man but not because I'm white
5: it's, I think you're now, a horrible person. Now, having person.
0: said that, I've gotten an amazing number of letters. I don't want to talk about Louie again, but just an so, amazing number of letters. From <laughs> I love people. how
1: many times you bring up Louie and I do want to talk it's, about uh, him. Uh, because it,
0: because, it, because it's, it's this whole PC thing. But I got an amazing um, number of letters from people who identified themselves as victims of sexual assault. Who nevertheless felt that we were doing the right thing mm-hmm. by that putting it You're on. doing the right thing by. So doing section, the right so. thing. I mean, I'm like 30, 40 letters like that. Well, Meaning really. that there's no. You can't. You can't just predict somebody's opinion on no, something.
3: The thing that bothers me so much is that you know the tyranny of the of the group membership. You know, That's as right. a blank, I'm that. Well. You know, that's not necessarily true of everyone in that category. So that's important. But I think it is important, as I, I think you're implying, though, to consider if you really want to have an in-depth discussion about someone's reaction to someone, is their past experience. But you do that on an individual level.
1: Um, I get that. And I feel like yeah. we're walking around telling people how many points they have over their head like we're video games. So you have the white point, the male yeah. point, the cis point, um, maybe because... but to experience something that's different than other people makes you possibly have a response so your name is noam right maybe you understand like where a name like mine hemda everyone's going to mispronounce your name that's what you're dealing with your whole life so you add other things to it <laughs>
2: They used to call me Nutter Butterman, Nature Boy, <laughs> but Noodleman. You,
1: and that, that has affected but don't your you under, personality. But don't it might
0: you, have affected, I doubt it, but it could have. But don't you understand it works <laughs> both ways? And then now I can start saying to somebody, Well, you're black, so that's the way you feel.
1: And and how would you finish that sentence? I
0: would I would never say such a thing. I would only make the case of them where, where I thought they were right or wrong. Because I know, know I, the just same thing like like the music string example, like the if you want to argue about abortion with a with a woman. And let's say you're let's say you're pro-life, and they'll say blah blah blah. And you say, well, you know what? I could get a woman here. It's not like the things I'm saying is a man that are pro-life. It's not like there's no women who are pro-life. So I got to drag a woman in here. So now you could, now you now you now you can't bring that up. So we can deal with the the logic either way. It's it to me it's such a dodge. Like just let's make logical arguments. Yes, of course it is okay to point out to somebody, listen, you haven't had, we're talking about such a harassment and you haven't had that experience. So let me tell you what it's like. That's, that's, that's relevant.
1: Could you consider something like you're asking them to skip over it? Can you for now skip over it
0: what and get to your skip point? Skip over what?
1: Like you're asking them not to bring that up. So when they bring that up, could you not No, I'm, I'm to bothered it?
0: by the fact you know that, what I mean? it, I'm bothered by the fact that it's considered okay to bring that up. It bothers me a lot. I think it's a it's society really moving in the wrong direction. It doesn't add anything to the discourse. As a matter of fact, I, I think you'll probably agree with me. During the time that they were, this is related in my mind somehow, during the time that they were protesting the Confederate statues, or the Confederate flag, um, now I had known a lot of people from the South, including Jim Webb, the Democratic senator, who said, you know, Yes, that, that was the Confederate flag, but when we were kids, we would see it ever. It was kind of our Southern
4: thing. That's my favorite. The Dukes of
5: Hazzard was my favorite car, the Dukes General Lee. Dukes of Hazzard,
0: whatever. And I said, how, how stupid to put these people in a position, rather than say to these people, listen, I understand that the Confederate flag means something not racist to you, but you have to understand how it makes me feel. It's a symbol of when we were slaves. And we were, so it, it, if you put yourself in my shoes, you would want to take it down. No, they don't do that, which I think would be very effective. That's kind of mm-hmm. what Martin Luther King did. What they do
1: is saying. So they did do that already. No,
0: no. What they you do. You know what I mean? What, no, what they do to them now is say you're a racist. That's the, the only reason you'd have that flag is you're a racist. And can somebody, I have another on, reason why
1: they would have hold that flag? Hold on, and somebody,
0: and somebody says to themselves, well, I'm not a racist. And now you put me in a position where if I take the flag down, mm-hmm. I have to admit to you I'm a racist. So go fuck yourself. And I and that's what and that's what you're seeing. It's like just explain to them. Why it's wrong. Stop with a name calling, stop with the with with all of it. It doesn't help anything.
1: What is it representing to them that's different than the division of race? What does a Confederate flag represent? If you said if I go, that's a racist flag and you go, no, I have it flown for a different reason. Right. What is the reason?
0: Southern pride. They would say this this is our this was our I mean, I'm not a southerner, I just know what I've heard said that this is something we always grew up with. It was the South.
1: And we're telling you that that represents racism. And so after we tell you that for a couple of decades, what happens? Some people get upset and they start yelling at you. I'm making
0: a practical argument here. I'm saying that it's it's not effective at all to call somebody a racist and put them in a position of if they're going to do what you tell them, they have to admit to you that they're racist, especially if they don't feel that they're racist. And that's what's going on here. And I think that there's a... Listen, I think a lot of people were moved to take down these flags
1: mm-hmm.
0: when they're explained how it yeah. feels to someone else. People are more have more empathy than people may realize. So then you're,
1: you, you are saying that one side should have more empathy than the other side. Every side should have empathy. Do you, but do you know what I mean? No. It's like you shouldn't tell me this. You should cater to me and speak to me a different way. You know, yeah, the if same you thing want results,
2: you think? he's suggesting that the best way to get results is not to accuse somebody of racism straight away when they may not be racist. As recently as the 1970s, as Dave Juska was mentioning, nobody perceived the Confederate flag on the General Lee as racist. It was the greatest <laughs> car of all time. Um, you know, Bo and Luke were very sympathetic characters. Um, uh, you know, um,
1: do you think that everyone had that experience at the Duke's? Well, of a lot of wasn't? people. A
2: lot of people did. So, but Noam's point is, is that people. What might have in those days, worn a Confederate flag, Dukes of Hazard shirt, and not had any uh, uh, racist
5: notions. Didn't think about it. Didn't even think about it for a second.
3: Yeah, actually, I'm living, <laughs> this year I'm living in um, Kentucky. Racist. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen a lot of these flags. That was a border state, I <laughs> think.
0: You've seen the flags, and what do they mean? What are yeah, they...
3: and uh, I admit I never went up to anyone and questioned them, but I did ask... Uh, others, I mean, not the people who have them on their cars, but I asked other people, you know, does, what does that mean to these folks? And um, they said, you know, it really isn't that much about racism, which is, and they always say, I'm not saying that some people who have them aren't racist, but in general it's, as you said, a pride. They call it a rebel flag, not a, so much the confederate flag. But the KKK and,
1: calls themselves... No, fair enough. Yeah.
3: Oh, and, and, um, and that it, it's, it, 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 it also connotes a kind of... Um, uh, just, we're not, we're basically not the elite, we're not the establishment, we're not, this is our own, it's just wrapped up in identity. And almost a sen- one person said it was a kind of a middle finger to people who want, just almost want us to take it
1: down, but. That, that's uh, my
0: point the middle finger and that's a very natural reaction I think <coughs> states
4: kind rights a, re- um,
1: a resistance but, <laughs> but who I, are we blaming for that middle finger why don't we blame the person giving a middle finger as a response also but, you know you know Condo- that whole
5: that flag as a whole was kind of a middle finger to the north in general right because it's like we yeah, so won the so they finger shouldn't finger have first. Wait, let, let, let the doctor oh no
3: you don't need to be a psychiatrist to say what I'm about to say, and I, and I think you agree with me on this, is that uh, and I often think, you know, I'm Jewish, so I immediately think, what? Hitler. What if there were monuments to Hitler? How would I feel? And, um, and I would ha- maybe have to explain that to someone. I would hope not. But, um, and then I think uh, there's just a, a kind of human communal response, which is, well, frankly, if it's, if it's that upsetting, and I understand why it would be so upsetting— they will take it down.
0: They should take it down. Oh, I'm, yeah. I've always been for them we'll taking it down. it down. I was always, I was always against it in the, the state houses. Whatever what he's it is. against
2: is accusing them of racism straight away.
0: What, what, what But what I'm, what I'm against is he's, the, what basically is the untruth. It's, it's it, at, at root, it's an untruth of saying that everybody who has that flag is a racist. Because I know we basically know that's not true, but we pretend that it is, and we tar them with it and i think it's totally possible to believe that the flag should all come down yet still why do you
1: think it should come down ba- come down then because if it it's upsets not- some- because-, because it upsets some of our fellow and citizens why, why so don't, much why don't people who have those flags understand that
0: well this you know what I think some do you know what yeah, some
1: do but the thing is but they won't take it down no but this but is, but this is racist. the arrogance
0: forgive me because no word of your part is that
1: no i'm really asking i'm, I'm
0: going to answer you you weren't born a young girl in the south growing up with it your whole life you have no idea what that really means to them and you think you know, and this is typical of people on all sides. We think we know. No, no. And and, and in the same way, you're, you're questioning them. You don't stop and think. Well, you know, let me let me think of. Let me ask them. I don't I don't know what it means to grow up in the South. I mean, you have I mean, you can. I don't know much about all that history, but I do know that a defeated people, whatever that means, remains a defeated people, and they still consider themselves a people. I not and, know they, and it- they might cling to certain. Aspects, certain symbols of their people. Yeah, and, and I'm saying, when, I'm when, when, saying when, I'm stop almost, it
1: because, because right. I grew up a certain way also and I went against okay. the way that I grew up. So maybe so. I don't know what it's like to live in the South. Okay,
0: but at the point where, where you don't recognize that there's an awkward thing. Like, well, okay, so I, 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 listen. I think that what, what I'm saying is um, self-evidently true. That if you're calling people racist who are not racist, that's, that's not a good thing. There's no 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 plus to that. We should we should be accurate. And I think it's also true that the Confederate flag stands for the South, which had slavery, but does not mean support of slavery or uh, or uh, lamenting the end of slavery. To many people who have it on their cars or whatever is the Dukes of Hazzard, whatever it is. And so this is a difficult, nuanced situation. And I come down squarely on the on the side of taking down the flags. Yet some part of me, when I see the vitriol, says, you know, this doesn't seem to be quite the way I would handle this, you know? that That's,
1: Wait, you have
0: to be all one or all the other, I guess. This is just right? to be clear, Yeah, yeah.
1: do we, so are you saying, and I, I swear I'm really asking, are you saying don't yell racist at them? I'm saying you, don't, you shouldn't me. yell
0: racist at somebody unless you're sure they're a racist. Okay, yeah.
1: but it, instead, explain it? Absolutely. Okay. So. That, I, that is
0: how Martin I, Luther King made such progress in the civil rights movement. And then he got by, killed. By, by allowing white people to wake up to what they were going through. He didn't succeed in getting the laws changed by calling everybody a racist, telling them what assholes they were. He succeeded by making people understand what they were going through. I would and, buy that, and that's how you get the Confederate flags to come down. They, I, by yeah. by ma- making people understand how it hurts them.
1: Yeah, so it seems like you're saying we need to have more empathy than they need to have empathy. Well oh, no,
0: you're, you're putting
2: words
1: you
0: out. I'm not saying
2: that at I think you guys are just talking in circles. Both of you have made your point, I think, I'm not
0: saying that at all.
2: I would like to make a book recommendation, which we don't usually do on this show. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> I read 12 Years a Slave, the book. I know you've all seen the movie, and books are always I, better I, than I, the movie. I, I, I didn't see You didn't see the movie? wanna But if you really want to, you know... Know what slavery was like, at least in Louisiana, where where uh, Solomon Northrup was a slave for 12 years. Read this book; it will blow you away. And the movie, as is typically the case, is nothing by comparison. And also, the story of Solomon's rescue is even more in- is far more interesting than what we saw in the movie, where they just kind of show up one day. Yeah, they show up. Yeah, but it was far <laughs> more intricate than that. So uh, that's a that's a uh, comedy seller. Book recommendations. <laughs> can we get to the midterms just briefly? Yeah, you us
0: a lot mid-term. of What are it's, the midterms? Hold on. <laughs> I think it's backfiring is what I'm saying.
1: I, I understand that. And I,
0: and I think there's a practical consideration that every movement needs to make about what is the best way to accomplish your goals. That and Coleman? I, I, Coleman Hughes, everybody. And I just think this is backfiring. I don't have... We has got it, Coleman's right over there. All right, Dan. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey Dan's excited. Hi I'm Dan. I'm
0: excited to see Col- 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 Coleman. Coleman, you, you want you want to join us for a second? Yeah. Come here one second, Coleman. No, so, Col- go, yeah, yeah, so so we're in for I a treat here because yeah, you, no, you, know, no, you know who no. Coleman is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she, she knows who you are.
3: Does <laughs> <laughs> he know why?
1: Be thrilled about it.
2: Coleman is a writer for Quillette. What are we talking about? So now? so Coleman,
0: how do you know who Coleman is?
3: We met at the Jonathan Haidt, uh, yes. heterodox. Yes, I remember your you? face. Good. So, Sally, good. Nice so, nice so,
0: to see you again. So, 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 Coleman. Uh, I, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody. It doesn't matter what his race is. So, we're talking about. The, <laughs> we're talking about. Because I really
1: don't think it, that so late on that now. <laughs> we're talking about. The now conf- they're all wondering. We're talking about <laughs> the Confederate flag. Guy?
0: Well, the name like Coleman. We're talking about the Confederate flag, uh. and and I was making the point that I thought that. Uh, Given the fact that we know that not everybody who felt uh, attachment to well, the
2: Confederate are, flag,
0: uh, what you're leading the witness, I'd want to hear his thoughts without your.
2: Okay. What exactly so it's fine. He's still is the have controversy about the
5: Confederate flag? What, what, what do you
0: think about the whole con- Confederate flag issue in the South and the way, the, way they handle it, getting people to take it down, all of that?
5: Well, I mean, I think uh, on the one hand, it's clearly something that means different things to different people. For some people, it seems to have no association with slavery; It just has this kind of sort of. Southern Pride Association, so I'm willing to extend those people good faith and say that they actually aren't associating it with slavery in in their mind, but on the other hand a mainstream reading of American history is that it is associated with slavery. It's, it's, It's hard to get around the fact that it's associated with the Civil War and the half of the country that wanted to defend that institution, so I also can't blame people who are saying, just take it down, I mean, for God's sakes. And and I I
0: agree with everything you said. And what would your so? What do you think the best strategy is to accomplish getting the flags taken
5: down and the monuments? You think the monuments should come down as well? Um, Monuments
1: are so dumb.
5: Well, I I mean, my my position in in these situations is I want to persuade people rather than force something down their throat because that's a that that just seems like a recipe for resentment. And I think again, I think. I, I, I'm just one for, for, for conversation and persuasion over just okay. so, forcing them. So
0: this is a beautiful example of what we were talking
5: about.
1: But you prior. know I am too, by the way. No,
0: I know. But, but, I the, but, am.
1: I just can't blame the people who okay. yell racist. But listen
0: listen to what a beautiful example we just had of something else I was talking about. He is black. I'm white. I made basically exactly the same argument as him. Yet, somebody would attack the argument because it came out of my white mouth. And my point is, with what I was saying before, it shouldn't matter that I'm white or black saying it. 'Cause he could come sit down and say the very same thing and now what you got? I think it now, does now you now you gotta deal with the argument, right? Well I think and it does hap-
1: matter a little bit more. Really?
0: So so you're going to counter his argument with a different argument and you no, counter mine no, when we no, say the same no, thing? No, but then this, I
1: must have misunderstood what you said. My,
0: my point. This is the world we live in where but, you that I will say what he just said and instead of dealing with it, like with the Louis thing, they'll they'll bring up the fact that I'm white. And, I'm, and I said to you before, I was like, okay, do I got to go find somebody black? Because I know there are black people no, who feel the same way. No, I think a
1: misunderstanding. Way. I was not arguing anything that he just said that came out of your mouth. What, what I was saying is, I can't blame someone for just associating the flag with racism and for telling that person, hey, you have to be a racist if you're waving that flag. I'm going back to the previous
0: conversation. I I said that it didn't make sense that people were bringing up my color with regard to Louis.
1: Oh, well, we're going back to No, steps. but they're, but yeah. they're
0: related. And, mm-hmm. and he just proved exactly the point I was trying to make is that deal with the words on the page. Deal with the arguments. Stop bringing up somebody's race or color or what, who they sleep with or what genitals are
1: attracted to. Then you respond that way. I always do. That's it. But that's it. You know what I mean? That's all we have. Then if you're saying you don't want that response coming at you, then take what you like, leave the rest, and respond back. So they're calling you a white male cis person. You go, all right, well, they and never you said keep says. talking, and you <laughs> keep never, talking. Whatever it says. is that they're labeling right. you—that you actually are—keep speaking. You still are speaking from that perspective. Don't worry about it. If you're telling people to be kind and to understand and to empathize, empathize then, and you don't
5: respond. Okay.
1: Does that make sense?
5: Well, yeah. I mean, I think he does that. I, I, I don't think Noam stops talking, right? No, I, when, I talk when, to anybody. But the a... point is, it's asymmetric warfare because when you're when you label someone, you're a white person, so you don't get to talk about this. I, don't you realize I'm black? I have, My opinion matters more than you. My emotions are involved in this. That is such a powerful, at least it seems to be a powerful argument technique, that it's a bit of a conversation under. You are taking up space as a white person. That's the argument. You're taking up space that doesn't belong to you. Oh, he's so taking that, up
2: space, but it's not as a white
5: person. <laughs> right. I mean, well, oh, okay. That was a joke yeah, about his Yeah, it was a joke size. about just back. No, it was a
2: joke that he's, 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 he's annoying. That's what
5: Okay, does. okay. But you, you see the point I'm making, right? It's, yeah, kind, it's an yeah. asymmetric argument. It's not an argument between two equal human beings anymore. It's an argument that you fundamentally aren't as entitled as, to, to an opinion as I am because of how I was born and how you were born.
1: Yes, I don't think we should take people's... But it's Yes, I think people sometimes use it just to get back, just to shut down the conversation. But I think other people use it to say, hey, remember your perspective. You might be speaking from it without realizing and not, and not being even. Does, uh, not uh, even. You know, like, why why even but you know what I mean you, you don't need to you, remind you, you me might, my perspective you just, might just, not be understanding I'm what I'm saying because of that yeah. I don't, By sometimes way, I mean, it comes that's into play. Point. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. all. So, so, sometimes. And, and, and I'm not saying they should yell at you over everything and shut down the conversation. That's why I'm saying that it's up to us who understand that next level to then ignore that and keep going if we're going to have a conversation. We keep asking ourselves to be the better person. You know, you're saying, hey, why can't they be the better person? I'm saying we can't tell people to do that. We have to go, I'm oh, going to oh, be no, the better no. it's, person it's, from it's, here. It's much
0: more than that. This is considered. Does that make na- sense? Yes, it does okay. make sense. But this is considered. Because considered- we're all on
1: the same side here is the most frustrating no aspect of this this
0: has seeped into like the highest realm of, of 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 society that this is acceptable talk you had senators referring to people's race during the the uh, Blasey ford hearing i mean you, you this is this is just it is it is it is we've lost all sense that this used to be something that we thought was anti-intellectual and it's it's i mean if you're worried we can talk about the midterms if you're worried about trump this is fuel for his voters i mean it's only so many times the most liberal white guy is going to get shut down by somebody saying you know it's just because you're a white male he says fuck that shit i guess i am a white male I, i guess i guess i gotta start voting my interest because these people actually they seem to hate me and and they discount anything i say by my skin color and my sex so what let's let's end this charade let me vote with the people who don't think i'm an idiot that's what they're doing Anyway, I,
1: Not I believe, taking responsibility?
0: No, I think what they're doing... How, how are you going to get people to vote for you if, if your party, as it were, is ready to use what you were born as an epithet? White, white male has become an epithet. How can you get white males in the numbers that you want to vote for the people who view the way you were born?
1: You coddle them like we always
0: did? I, 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 again, I'm, t- I'm talking practical results here. You you are That's not okay. bo- Don't, you're I'm, never I'm going to get freak- frustrated
1: with you. I'm really no, just talking with I'm you. I'm saying that, you, that it's
0: wrong to use somebody's race as an epithet. It's wrong to use somebody's sex as an epithet. This this is like this ought to be basic uh, um, uh, civility 101, but it's not anymore. And it's going to have consequences. That's what I, I think it is having consequences, like these midterms. I don't know what I saying no, about the midterms.
3: No. Oh, oh, I oh just... that's a
2: pretty good segue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, call, I called, I didn't tell,
2: I texted Noam before the midterms, and I've never voted in midterms in my life because I just don't, but this year they seem so, everybody's talking about them. So I text Noam. Noam, I need guidance. I, I could just vote the Democratic ticket, which is I have done in the past, but I want to be more thoughtful than that. And I do have my issues with the Democrats on many levels. I said, Noam,
0: give me some guidance. Help me out here. Who should I vote for? Noam wrote back. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't vote. And actually, I read today that apparently true independents, a lot of them don't vote. I didn't vote. You don't vote. So, t- t- Doctor, I wanna, I wanna, you traveled here. I want to make sure you, you speak as much as, as we possibly can. What Do you, wanna, you have anything to say about into politics so much, are you?
3: Uh, well, uh, almost by osmosis since I'm at the American Enterprise Institute. Oh, that's I right. Am, that's right. Um, Yeah, now the the rural-urban split seems even more defined. And um, I stole this from the Daily, but it makes so much sense that now, as far as the the Congress is concerned, basically now, this sounded right to me, um, you know, the House is going to turn into an investigative body and the Senate is going to turn into a a judge-appointing body. (laughs) And the tension and division is... Probably going to even get worse.
0: I I heard somebody on Facebook heard somebody somebody on Facebook (laughs) wrote uh, yesterday. (laughs) They're complaining about the fact that the Senate is not a popular vote institution. And he says, "We need to change this. this, We need to change the Senate. I don't want to be ruled by these rednecks." (laughs) I said, "Well, maybe the ease with which you're calling them rednecks is part of the reason Mm -hmm. that it's good to have (laughs) the Senate." You know, like, would you? Who wants to be ruled by people who dismiss them as rednecks? I mean, you know, and, and so so that so yeah. just well, was this a person uh, whose opinion you normally value that wrote yeah, this? Yeah, it's a smart person. I'm saying the hatred has gotten so visceral, but but i um, but obviously this having a non-popular vote body ought to then force everybody into the middle a little bit to try to something that everybody can agree on, which I used to think was a good thing for the country, but now apparently if we can't have 100% the most left-wing. Well, the founding Think fathers we, certainly
2: thought it was a good thing as they, they put
0: it into the Right, but I'm saying the left now feels if they have to make any accommodations, any slowdown, anything, to these that this is a, a, an anti-democratic process, and they're really literally ready to burn down the House to get rid of the cockroaches. I, I mean, they're the, talking about ending 250 years of, of constitutional Oh, and you say what?
5: Well, I was just saying the counter-argument, which, is, which has something to it, is that when, when that system was created, city wars, cities weren't nearly as big as they were. Now we have 8 million people in New York City, whatever, 20 million-plus people in in the state of New York. Each of them gets one Senate representative, and then you have, what, like, 1 million people in, like... Montana or something. Montana or whatever. So you you get 500... So for something like the Kavanaugh hearing, in theory, you're talking about 500,000 people in, in, in Montana that have as much power as 10 million in New York State. And on its face, it seems that there's something a little upsetting about that in terms of if you're a New Yorker I could see why someone might say well let's rethink this um, you know is this antiquated maybe it made more sense because it was part of the deal like, I-, I totally understand the historical rationale because it was part of the deal when states came together they said like well, why the hell should we become in United States I don't want to be I don't want I don't want to be subject to the whims of someone from some other state who has some different values and this was part of the deal and maybe it should continue to be part of the deal but and Wait, certainly what, even
0: back then, Maine must have had way fewer people than New York. Mm-hmm.
5: I mean, way fewer. May, may, yeah, yeah, so maybe the ratios actually haven't changed. I actually haven't looked at it, so, so I don't know. But would, would there be some ratio that's like so egregious that uh, it would be worth considering?
2: Right, if there were two, literally two people living in Montana, <laughs> you know, and then they had all this power, you, you might, at some point, you might reconsider it. For now, that's the system we have, and I don't think it's going to change
0: anytime soon. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we were inventing it from now, I don't think we'd have the wisdom to have the system we'd have now, given the ratios <laughs> and everything. But that's true. It's probably still, if we do want to have one nation, and we don't want f- it to feel like uh, so that that one part of the country is so just running roughshod over the other part of the country, this is probably not such a, a bad system. I agree I don't know. with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, n- nothing's perfect. I mean, if we are saying before, if, if we didn't, if we now only had, like when we were kids, three television networks, a half an hour evening newscast, and like two or three local papers, and that was it, no computer, no internet, we would think this was the most awesome time in the history of the country. I mean, we have such a distorted view of how bad things are. Things are awesome. But-
3: and, and I think one of the reasons we have such a distorted view is because the folks who hold the distorted views and who are nurtured now in many college campuses, I think, do hold them, end up going into what I would call the amplifying institutions of the society. They end up being in journalism, they end up being in law, and they end up being in education. So they're transmitting it. It's, it's worrisome.
0: Yeah, it, it is. I know Coleman...
5: Uh... I think you're, you're really right to point out how important it is that there only used to be like three major networks yeah. because they had to appeal to a, a large amount of people. The more networks there are, the more they can hone in on a niche audience and niche audiences have niche interests, and niche political interests and extreme political interests. So now Fox News can show some, some crazy person on the far left Going off and calling white people this and that, and import that to half the country, and vice versa. And that just couldn't happen in the old days. So, you, yeah, you, like there are polls from the 1960s that ask people, uh, How mad would you be mad if your kid married someone of the other party? And you get like four or five percent, virtually nobody cared. And now, those polls are like 30, 40 percent people saying they don't want their kid marrying a Democrat or Republican.
0: It's sad. Thanks. Okay, we're, we're, we're pretty much out of time. I love, I love this group. I love to talk forever, but we're out of time. Anything, you, anything you want to get off your chest?
1: I don't know. That was fun. I like, I like talking. Are you
0: back to singing?
1: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm starting to learn the guitar. Ah, okay. I am terrible at it, but I'm practicing.
0: So when I used to be a musician, she was actually a fan. She used to come, to come to. to <laughs> to To watch the band all the time, and, and then and then she uh, she sat in on singing sometime, and then then we started like an Israeli band one time, and she was a singer. and Then she became a podcast star, a national <laughs> podcast
5: star.
2: Coleman, by the way, plays a me, trombone. Oh, yeah, I heard boy. him here a couple weeks ago on the Bone oh, and boy, thank you, thank can he you. blow.
5: Catch me on Monday nights at the Mingus Big Band. Oh, at the shit. Jazz I didn't standard. know you had a, you had a regular uh, gig. A regular gig Monday nights. What?
2: Can you imagine this guy? I mean, not only is he a a well known. Um, writer and intellectual, yeah. but he but he's a, a, a an accomplished musician as well, and oh, okay. only twenty one years old, I believe.
5: Twenty two. Oh.
0: And his his most recent um, uh, article was about deepities. Is that, is that what it deep?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: it's such a good article. Oh, thank you. In, in Quillette, I mean, I I sent this to to everybody I know. I don't know if I sent it to Dan, but uh, and so I I, I invite you to look up Coleman Hughes, uh, on Quillette, and he he writes a lot about race, but this last article is not about race and. He's just as brilliant on non-racial issues as he is. And By the way,
2: Coleman, you come in every time you come in. The past few times, you've brought in a group of people with you. I haven't
5: seen any repeats.
0: <laughs> they
5: Is it a
2: me
0: brand new them. group of people. That's Nico Perino, you know. What That's
5: I mean. Nico's group. Oh, okay. Nico okay. brought me along tonight.
2: Oh, I got you. Okay. Because then last time you here, you were here with like three other people. Uh huh. And they, I guess they were Columbia students. Yep. And then you were here with that dude whose grandfather was a big record guy. Dan's yeah. like Sam way to us, yeah. into you.
5: So one time Coleman told <laughs> <I meant> to <laughs> me, "Damn, I, I I'm so glad I got to see you last time. You were hilarious." Thank you, Coleman. So Finally, good. I get the recognition <laughs> I just yeah.
0: So I, I did. I say this you? but you know, Coleman made his more than not maybe twice made a comment about how much older I am than he. Is. and
1: <laughs> good job Coleman and, and I said I said you know I might I'm, as well tell him he's white too he knows
0: and, and, and actually Harry entered and told me like called me like his a father figure I'm like it's so weird for me because <laughs> I, I don't feel any different than I do when I like when I hang out with Coleman it's like it's not I, and I then, agree so I feel the same so with this deepity says, says, well age is just a number
5: Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's, that's a classic example. That's a classic example. <laughs> just yeah. number.
0: But I guess it's not because Coleman sees me as an old man. Anyway.
5: <laughs> no, part of the reason I point that out is because it doesn't feel like I'm hanging out with an old person. Oh, it doesn't? Either. Feel like, like, I don't have that many, like, 50-plus-year-old, like, friends, you know? I'm not really 50 <laughs> no, no,
0: no, I am. <laughs> you know I'm
5: 56. So it's- oh, my gosh, you're 56? Holy moly. 56 years old. Wow, that's. I'm,
2: I'm 49, but I'm already, like, and I just turned 49, but I'm already, like, I basically call myself fifty because I know it's going to be traumatic, so I might as well get it over <laughs> with and just say I'm fifty now.
0: Yeah, I, people my own age, are, I have, I mean, I can barely, I can barely tolerate them. Mm. They're so set in their ways. They're, they're not curious about anything. I mean, they're, they're anyway. Anyway, you agree with that, Doc? She's not in head. I agree with everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, you're, right. but you're not. You're only in your in your thirties. So. Oh, I am. So, Doctor, did you have a good time coming here?
3: Oh, I, I had a great time, and actually, I. I, I I realize how if you take the sort of the therapeutic mindset, it is really one of the most constructive, I, I think, lenses to use because it, it really dovetails with the conversation you were having about race and groups. Just forget the group. You have to focus on the individual. That's what you would do in any kind of therapeutic you know, exchange and, and, and setting. It's what's meaningful to you. What can you control? How can you make better choices for yourself? But it doesn't matter. I mean, the word uh, groups and
1: labels don't even come up. True or false I black
2: know. men have uh, don't go into therapy because it's 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 uh, not masculine.
1: Don't group. <laughs> Ask <I cold>. mean, <laughs> <just> <laughs>
3: well, are we grouping or not grouping? Well, neither do you know rural white poor white men either. So well, I mean,
5: or any a- real man definitely guess yes on that. <laughs> that there's a disproportionate well, masculine well, a fe- thing against therapy in the black community, for sure, among men. I, I would guess that. Might Open be. to being that's wrong. That's an empirical though. question. Yeah, it's, an empirical, yeah, it's an, question. an empirical question. And we'll have the answer to that question <laughs> in our next episode. <laughs> well, look, we,
0: and, and, and the, the the irony is that to say what you're saying, or what I'm saying, to, to focus on the individual, now makes you sort of a conservative, when Dr. and I are old enough to remember that, that was it used to be exactly the opposite. That that was mm. what, a, what a liberal was. And, and after, like, 50, 60 years of the civil rights movement, who knew that the ultimate nirvana, the ultimate conclusion of wisdom would be that, yes, it's okay to generalize based on race. We were just talking about the wrong race. <laughs> it's, but the, the, we, we got to the end and actually the only mistake we we're making is that it's okay to talk about white people, but all the other races are still and that's kind of absurd, right? Alright. Uh, um, thank you very much. Dan's leaving. <laughs> good, good, good. Please email us podcast at comedy Podcast at comedy seller.com. Dan, is, is... we've been extended for another year on Sirius oh, Radio. Well, all right. well, I guess uh yeah uh, six years. Are we gonna be
2: extended on Comedy Central is the bigger question. I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> that. And I did want to get into that, but we didn't have time. All right. N- uh. All right, good night everybody.